0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Work Alchemy podcast, Conversations About Impact, where entrepreneurs and leaders share how they have impact, the sweet moments, and the challenges. I'm your host, Ursula York. I help entrepreneurs grow successful businesses that make a difference in the world. Impact is more than mission, more than purpose, even more than your why. Impact is where your unique self and business meet the world and contribute to making it better for all of us. These stories are here to inspire and energize you so you can have your own unique impact. Today's guests on the podcast are Sunga Jong and John Salsinger. With experience driving the growth of companies at various stages of the acquisition process, Sangha brings to empowered the expertise and insider knowledge accumulated from almost two decades of senior executive leadership in consumer packaged goods. After key managerial roles at Procter & Gamble and NARS Cosmetics, a subsidiary of Shiseido Incorporated, Sunga co founded Nest Fragrances, quickly developing the brand into one of the most successful luxury lifestyle fragrance companies in the market. John Salsinger is a serial entrepreneur and is always looking for a problem to solve, utilizing new technologies and new ways of ideating around them. Currently, as a founder and chief business development officer, John devotes himself to overall strategy, maximizing the global distribution of Empower's innovative clean energy solutions, marketing to various verticals and markets simultaneously, as well as developing new product lines. Welcome to the podcast, Sangha and John. I'm so delighted to have you both here. Thank you so much for inviting us.
1: Thank you. We appreciate it. Happy to be here.
0: So this is kind of a fun thing I've, I've, as I was sharing with you. I've done this before in terms of having uh, two people on the, on the uh, podcast at the same time. So I'm really, uh, really excited to hear about your respective answers to questions. And my first one is really around your mission. Uh, the, the stated mission for Empowered is to transform lives with thoughtfully designed clean tech can you talk a little bit about that? What that means to
1: you? Sure. So I think uh, lives is a key word there. So we design products for human beings, no matter where they live, uh, what their income, their geography, who they are. None of that matters. We do design clean energy products. So empowered is an acronym for micro power design. So personalized, uh, portable, clean energy, and empowering, and high design. So form and function together um, to create uh, ownership of your energy and your energy needs to either build capacity or to simply enjoy the products. Uh, That's kind of where we um, net out as a company and a CPG product company.
2: And our mission is integrated into what we do. So we sell our products in developed world retail channels. We're in almost every major retailer that you can envision. And because of the scale that this affords us, we're then able to tier our margin structure for those in emerging markets. So we distribute through over 500 NGO partners, as well as various in-country distributors into emerging markets. And we're able to localize the pricing of our products for those markets. So for instance, if a female entrepreneur in Ghana wants to be able to distribute our lights to those in her local community as a means of economic empowerment for herself, we're able to sell the lights to her at such a price that she can afford to do so. And all of that, again, is really um, a, a product of our business model, whereby, you know, the majority of our sales um, come from developed world retail, and then, Everything that we need to do to develop those products, be it R&D, marketing, um, you know, even having this office here in, in New York, all of those costs are sort of borne by developed uh, market sales so that, you know, when we go to emerging markets, we're really able to truly give them the same quality and value of our products with that, without them having to uh, bear the costs of the development of those products.
1: I would just add that to date, three million lives impacted of those who were in need of or uh, did not have access to clean energy uh, at the time. Uh, And 500,000 US tons of CO2 have been averted. And that's just through emerging markets. We don't measure our environmental impact in the developed world because we're not exactly sure how everyone uses the light. But as an example, I use my light uh, for my two-year-old kid in a bath. Uh, and turn the lights off, and I also use it as a nightlight. So in both those cases, um, CO two is averted.
0: Yeah, that's great. Well, there's so many things that you just said that I want to explore a little more deeply. But I, let's start with the business model. I, it's so interesting the way that you have created this kind of uh, model where your where the developed world your developed world customers are really they're the ones who are. In the position of supporting the R&D and and uh, developing new products, so that you can price the other price for the developing world at at a lower cost. And uh, how does how does it how does that work in terms of uh, because consumer products usually have
2: a pretty narrow margin. So how do you make that work? So that's a great question, and that's exactly the reason why we have the business model that we do. We don't have the margins in consumer electronics to be able to have a model like Tom Shoes, which has the buy one, give one. Mm-hmm. Um, but through this tiered margin structure that we've created, we want to really uh, inspire other companies who are – coming up with innovative resource solutions to real world problems, to recognize that there is a way to uh, do well by doing good. Um, So a little bit more specifically in terms of how all of this works, you know, we sell through traditional retail channels. In that case, all the consumer has to do is really purchase one of our products and uh, by the scale of the business operations we have with these retailers, you know, again, that goes towards helping fund the company, our R&D efforts, our production costs, et cetera. We also, however, partner with many corporations, and for them, the, the program is a little bit different. Um, so they may have a, a retention program, let's say, if someone signs up to, uh, let's use a concrete example, if they're an energy provider and someone signs up for one of their plans, So, the energy provider may give their uh, new customer one of our lights and also tell that customer that one of our lights is being distributed through our NGO partners into an emerging market to be able to benefit those there. And with similar programs that we run, uh, we have seen increased uh, loyalty rates, increased retention rates by. 25% and more. So there's a real win-win in a situation like this. And we continue to look for more and more corporate partners because this is a model that works really well. And then we also have the level of the consumer. So through our Give Lucy program, an individual can go to our website and they can sponsor a light that goes, again, through one of our NGO partners uh, to an emerging market. Um, But thus far, I've only spoken a little bit about our development efforts um, in emerging markets. uh, But our lights are also used in disaster relief situations.
1: Mm -hmm. As an example, uh, recently, we're in Mozambique today. Uh, We're in Middle America today. And if there's a natural disaster, one of our organizations will require lights and we're going to be there for them. Um, In Indonesia, it's a good example. We were working with Team Rubicon and Amazon. So Amazon is one of the greatest logistics companies ever invented, right? Um, right. And Team Rubicon uh, in par in terms of disaster response. And so that was an interesting program because it allowed um, Amazon to fund. It allowed Team Rubicon to get lights. It allowed us as a business to have a sustainable model and continue on. Um, and then at the end of all that, and this is an important component for corporations within sort of the cause marketing contribution model, is that we deliver back content. And so the content that Team Rubicon delivered back was in the media, um, was applicable, was during a media cycle that was helpful for Amazon. Um, and Amazon News picked it up um, to tell the world that, you know, this is really going on. It's still going on. It's still a challenge. And now what that does is it shows that Amazon is doing really good things in the world, uh, brings people, uh, makes people aware of what we're doing as a company and our technologies. Uh, and then, as well, um, also brings people to understand that Team Rubicon exists and they could use funding. And and lastly, mm-hmm. and probably most importantly, just kind of raises awareness in, and I'll use the term intentionally in this case, first world, uh, developed world, right? Um, problems are a lot less. When you start seeing uh, what happens in the rest of the world, you start having a little more gratitude uh, as to your positioning and sort of the luck of the draw as to where you were born. So we think this does a whole slew of different things uh, for a whole number of entities, but most of all, creates community and builds participation.
0: Hmm. Well, let's dive into that impact a little more deeply. I, I know that um, that there's an obvious advantage to having light in areas where there's no electricity or erratic electricity. But what do you each see as the the impact of your company and I know there are many aspects to it, so feel free to wax on about all of them.
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, uh, I would just say um, it's multifold, but I do think it kind of lands back on what we were talking about. I mean, obviously, people and planet is our end goal and our impact, and we talked about our metrics there, but I think building awareness and community is essential. I think, um, you know, we've talked to a lot of folks about public servants not serving the public as of late, at least here in the US, in my personal opinion, professional opinion. And so we think of ourselves as private servants. And I think a lot of corporations, whether they're labeled as such or not, are doing that and building it into their models. And it's really just solving problems and serving the public with what you're doing and with business. And so I think our impact is is twofold. It's raising awareness of the challenges that are scientifically based with environment, and then on the human condition, and doing something about it, being a catalyst to change.
2: So for me, sometimes I think about the impact on an extremely personal, extremely individual mm-hmm. level. Um, and that's when it really resonates for me, especially on those days when business can be challenging, because like any you know, entity, uh, we have our ups and downs too when it comes to the actual you know, day-to-day running of the business. Um, but on a very individual level, there are particularly, you know, uh, there are a few stories that resonate with me particularly. So, you know, anything having to do with, uh, women's safety issues. So if our lights can help uh, a woman avoid violence, if she's in a refugee Mm -hmm. camp, uh, if she's just trying to go to and from a latrine, uh, that means a lot to me. And right now, Uh, We are working with a nonprofit called IDE in Bangladesh on a program whereby we are going to be incorporating solar lighting into latrines and then also affording those in that community individual solar lights so that they can go safely to and from the latrines. Um, I mentioned this as an example because I grew up in poverty. We didn't have running water and we had a latrine. And I remember even as a child, just being afraid to go to the restroom. And so this really resonates for me as a really powerful use of our lights. Um, also in the area of, of children's education, um, you know, our lights help children study at night. And we have this incredible story from Kybera of a young boy who uh, was never able to study at night because by the time he got home, helped his mother with the chores with the other children and the household, it was completely dark. So with our solar light, he was able to study and he has ambitions to become an astronaut one day. And Uh why not? You know, children should be able to aspire to whatever they can, you know, dream of. And um, that is tremendous to think that by, uh, creating a product that, you know, allows him to tap into his potential and work hard that, you know, we could be uh, helpful in helping him achieve his dreams. Um, and then just one other quick example in the area of empowerment. So, you know, many, many stories come into us, um, but this is a, a recent one about um, a group of fishermen in the Philippines and uh, the fishing um uh, had been a challenge for them recently, and they weren't able to feed their families. And then they actually discovered that our lights attracted fish. So these fishermen started taking our lights out with them at night, and they were then able to fish and sustainably feed their families. So sometimes the greatest use cases for our lights come from our consumers, and it is so uh, inspiring and so empowering uh, to hear these individual stories. I love all these
0: examples and uh, and the stories that go along with them, and it really highlights how what in a way once I learned about your product, it's almost a no-brainer. But of course, that's in hindsight. Um, You know, the vision of of you, John, and and your co-inventors of being able to bring that to life um, is what what makes it such an elegant solution. And uh, so I know that. you're involved in, in all these aspects in the developing world. And also, Sangha I, I saw an interview of yours that you talked about how your products can help change behavioral mindsets with respect to alternative energy sources and conservation. Is that true in the developing world as much as the
2: developed world? Absolutely. Or is that more like, mm-hmm. um so I, I mentioned I, I grew up in pretty dire circumstances uh, originally. Eventually, you know, after studying environment and development at a number of great institutions, I decided to take a pivot and go into business, and I went into the world of consumer products. Um, and I started working for Procter & Gamble, kind of understanding consumer behavior. And I came to Empowered a few years ago, and um, I came because it seem like the perfect combination of focusing on consumer products while also having a real impact. And uh, since I've been here, it's been incredible to see, you know, how our products are uh, so well designed that, you know, we're able to affect lives, you know, even here in the U.S. So we we concertedly sell through retailers, um, to populations that may not naturally gravitate towards alternative energy sources. Um, so we sell in rural communities, we sell, um, you know, actually very well in reservations, um, we sell, you know, all over middle America, it's not just the coasts, that may be a little bit more liberal uh, to us. It's really important to be able to reach anyone who sees the value of our lights um, and sees how they can actually help you kind of go off the grid. And we love tapping into the stories in these local communities. Um, there was a, a story that came in about a woman who lived on a mountaintop and she was just um, scared of candles, um, you know, but she, was a little bit, you know, older, so she hadn't really caught on to new technologies, etc. But she's a proud owner of many of our solar lights and just thought it was the coolest thing. She would never invest in great. You know, solar panels on her home. Uh, but the fact that she could have this portable, you know, light that she could carry with her, she just thought was the greatest thing. So you know, we love being able to capture you know the imagination of those who, again, may not naturally gravitate towards alternative energy.
1: I would just just add to that, um, you know we think that it's important to educate the next generation in the developed world. And so we recently came out last year with a STEM kit uh, that has an educational booklet along with it, and it even has a turnkey learning module um, developed with, uh, co-developed with MSU Denver. Uh, and that's an interesting product because, uh, we spoke to a climate, um, uh, uh, representative in the U S that was a representative at the Accords in Paris. Uh, they were, he was called a climate negotiator who said that the U S had to leave. And this was after, you know, for any kind of climate change, uh, aversion. And when he came back to the U S and this is when we were still in the paris accord which is kind of crazy to yeah. talk about um right. mentioned that the entire us has to lead so both parties uh, and the full government behind um, assuming responsibility and then also the fix for uh, climate change and so immediately we went into development on how do we educate the next generation because the one thing you want to ensure is that you know we're not repeating the same mistakes and we learn from our generation's mistakes on pollution, et cetera. Um, and not being sort of uh, one with the environment. So that, that's been important. That can be picked up at Barnes and Nobles. We also sell to Follette, uh, for teachers. Um, and so mm-hmm. that's an exciting, um, uh, unit that we made. And we've, uh, we've worked with a number of schools, including the Dock Street School in Brooklyn, New York. It's a public school, uh, where we did an education curriculum. And we think it's just really important. Uh, for the awareness that solar is less expensive, uh, and that's one of the reasons for adoption, but it's also necessary as one of the most, if not the most efficient, um, and abundant source of energy uh, right now.
0: Yeah. Well, I know you have a build-your-own-Lucy solar light kit. Yep, that is, that's I it. Guess that's the st- yep. STEM education, yeah. So it's it's a great way to engage the kids and really get them involved. I I loved watching the clips on your website of the kids' reactions to the. Um, some of the kids were super sophisticated, and the others are are uh, still trying to define what solar energy is. So it was really cute to watch. That's great. Well, your model is to is to partner with nonprofits and. I mean, you're in 90 countries around the world, so that's not a small undertaking is to, I, I know you've been involved in disaster relief after the hurricane in, in Puerto Rico, now Mozambique is a, one that people have not heard much about, but I know I do some work in Southern Africa and it's been devastating for people. So how do you make it all work in the context of of just trying to get to these places and, and uh, distribute lights and... How do, how do you get make those partnerships really effective?
1: So again, it's community building. In this case, it's multiple sectors. So it can be corporations uh, that help. And so we work with Creus Energy. We've worked with a subsidiary of British Petroleum Direct Energy. Uh, we work with Citizen Watch, Cliff Bar, Salesforce, a lot of corporations that come in and help Sun Life Financial, which is an insurance company and they actually help us to support um, the NGOs that we refer to, so 500 plus. You know, These are major organizations, so we have contributors on one side, we have implementers on the other. The great thing about a lot of these organizations um, is that they're able to um, deploy in an effective capacity building manner and not disrupt markets. It's very important when our implementers go into an area because they have knowledge that we don't, we know what we don't know, but they have, you know, uh, knowledge hyper, not hyperlocalization localization knowledge, I like to call it, um, mm-hmm. uh, where they actually understand customs. They understand thresholds. They understand business practices. They understand needs. Um, they understand aversions, right? So everything that you may think you know, sometimes is counterintuitive um, to culture, et cetera. And so we've had a lot of uh, incidences where our products have been used by really wonderful organizations, um, to not sort of give the answer um, or give the fish, but give the fishing rod or even sort of integrate. And so I'll give you an example. Well, a new course organization was run by Jamie Bechtel and her husband, uh, their ex-Clinton Foundation folks. And uh, they went into a village in Tanzania, whereby, you know, they got enough trust by the elders doing a an empowerment program with our lanterns, with entrepreneurs, that the elders gave them their ear. And so they sat there and talked to them, and uh, FGC was going on female genital cutting uh, in a couple of villages, three, actually. And so Jamie was able to have enough faith and trust that was built uh, through integrating the lights into their communities versus just sort of dumping them in there, um, that they'd listen, and they decided that they would change that because she asked, what else can you do to a pouring uh, milk ceremony? So you pour milk on top of women instead of cutting them and that spread to three mm-hmm. villages and that's just sort of a, a tertiary function of our lights but it is something that is a microcosm of how we like to integrate into community versus sort of being this sort of great west hope because we don't think that works
0: <laughs> yeah we've come to save you that that attitude is not uh, not very beneficial well, it's
1: not sustainable yeah
0: yeah well, I, I know you call Empowered a social enterprise, and I, I wonder what, and you're also a certified B Corp, so that requires a level of commitment to the principles of social and environmental impact and diversity and transparency. Has that process of, of being committed to being a B Corp, has it, has it
2: helped in terms
0: of the evolution of the company?
2: Well, the company was founded as a B Corp, Uh, From the beginning, um, I know it's become much more popular in you know the recent past. I think there are now three thousand B corps um, in the U.S. Uh, But the company is both a B corp and a benefit corporation, and the benefit corporation is the legal structure whereby our shareholders uh, believe not just in profit but also in the impact that we're making. So it hasn't changed us as a company per se because it's been integral to what we do from day one. Uh, However, I will say that being a benefit corporation has been helpful as we've gone through various rounds of funding uh, to find patient capital. So uh, we are backed uh, by a number of different investors. Our lead investor at the moment is called the Builders Fund and they're an impact fund out of San Francisco. And there's an acknowledgement and a willingness to be patient uh, with their capital because uh, we are trying to do more than simply affect the bottom line. And that's, you know, to also impact lives through the work that we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: it's an important role that investors play if they can see the long game and really be aware of building out a company that is growing based on these principles. It's not about immediate. Uh, Financial returns, although that's certainly a significant part of the equation. Would Would you agree with that, or is it? uh, Do you Do you see that companies that are impact focused, that are are um, doing what you're doing, that you need more time and leeway in order to develop that?
1: I think these days, growing any brand globally uh, requires some patience. Uh, CPG especially if you're in brick and mortar, but especially if you have an impact metric. I mean, both Sung and I have actually invested our own money into the company. Um, mm-hmm. And CPG for the listeners
0: is consumer-
1: package uh, goods.
0: Consumer packaged yeah. goods. Anything right? you mm-hmm.
1: sort of hold inventory, it's not a software solution. Um, so, you know, it's challenging um, and it takes on sort of a whole new um, approach when it's not in a local neighborhood and there's interconnectivity globally digitally. Um, so I think there's all sorts of challenges that come along with that opportunity. Uh, I would say that, uh, there's all sorts of ways to invest your money. Um, but if you're going to invest in a greater future, uh, there is, there are plenty of opportunities and good companies to do that with that, um, you don't lose the investment return, uh, and you get to help the planet. But that is, you know, more challenging than, I don't know, put your money into like a derivative program. Um, there is a difference, right? And so I think uh, the way we look at it personally and professionally, and I think our investors do as well, is that we're building and investing in a better world um, and equality. And that's very important to all of us. It's not, uh, and this includes our investors. It's not just um, an investment. Uh, it's literal and figurative, but it's literal. We're putting our money where our mouth is and an investment necessitates a bit of altruism when you're trying to change the world. Um, And at the end of it, uh, sure, um, it's an investment and there's a return. Um, And as you said, sometimes it requires more patience, but I think it becomes easier along the way because you know the end goal is twofold. Um, And then along the way, I'll, I'll be frank with you, you know, we get attention because we're helping. And no matter who our vendor is or who our retailer is, People generally, innately, want to be good, want to do good, want to help, want to have meaning in their lives, and in that sense, there are advantages, actually, to doing good leads to doing well. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, I'd love to talk with you both about leadership, and uh, I'll start with you, John, with a question about a co-founder becoming uh, a Really, uh, an important aspect of the leadership in a company. i as as you know, we were um, all at the the momentum summit last week, and one of the speakers there was absolutely who was not an entrepreneur, was absolutely not a founder, was absolutely adamant that founders cannot be the ones to grow a company. and, I take some issue with that. I actually had a, a discussion with him in one of the sessions about that, but I'm curious about your perspectives, both of you on that, because you're, you're a co-founder, John, and Sunga, you you came in and, and you have the role of president and CEO. How do you think that works? How do you think that works well? Because you've managed to obviously make it really function well for
1: Empowered. All right, so a couple of thoughts. It's a great question. So, in this context, I would look at founder as a social construct. I actually don't think it has a ton of meaning, meaning except for the fact that you were there in the beginning. I think um, there's all sorts of uh, misnomers, founder syndrome, all sorts of um, misclassifications of a group of people, and I look at it as an individual. Um, so for me, founder, employee, boss, director, I've done all these things in different arenas. Um, but the one constant from when I started delivering groceries for a grocery store till now is hard work, um, putting your all into something that you um, take pride in, uh, whether it has an intrinsic meaning or not, but taking pride in what you do. Um, and I don't think I'm here because I'm a founder or not, not here because I'm a founder. I'm here because I work really hard. Um, it's a lot easier to work really hard when there's a cause behind it. So for me, sure. this is probably the hardest, easiest job I've ever had. Um, <laughs> but I think, I think grouping people, it's, it's a human, um, it's a characteristic that you know, humans do group, we're social beings. Um, but I think at times it becomes uh, destructive versus constructive. And I don't look at investors, CEOs, founders, employees as different. Everyone's a human. Everyone has a role to play. Uh, I do think it's a team. It's a community. With us, it's a mission that's growing and it takes on more and more people as we grow. Uh, And everyone has a responsibility. So, you know, born into a family of um, parents that work really hard. So I work really hard. And, um, you know, that's basically how I would answer that. I wouldn't go into titles. Titles don't really mean much to me.
0: Well, Sangha, do you have another perspective? I know you're also a founder of Nest Fragrances, so it's not that you haven't been in that role.
2: Yeah, so I think my perspective is that this company um, would not be in the position that it is and it would not be on a path to growth if it weren't for our partnership. So not who we are individually per se, but what we bring out in each other. Um I'm very lucky and privileged to be working next to John and uh we do call ourselves partners and um it is um so rewarding and encouraging and inspirational to work next to him to uh be a part of what he created and to be able to add to it collectively and together um you know, we do have a single focus in terms of what we're trying to accomplish, and that definitely helps. But if he weren't the type of individual that he is, um, I don't think that uh, this endeavor would have been possible. Um, and, you know, we do talk about the fact that we come from vastly different backgrounds. Um, our paths to this company were very different. Uh, but together, you know, we strategize around the the company, our product, um, you know, how we can amplify our mission, how we can continue to partner with, you know, the best in class partners across the board. Um, and it's a real privilege and honor to work with him.
1: I would just add to that. Uh, first, thank you. I feel the same as Sangha about her. Um, I would also add that it takes a lot of people that are highly motivated and talented to do what we're doing. And once again, you know, titles don't matter as much as work and playing your position. And we've had a lot of people work here over the years. And every single keystroke we like to say creates impact, just because of the structure how we built the company. Um, and working with Sanga has sort of shone a light, uh, shined shine a light, yeah. Either way, pardon the pun, on sort of a whole another dimension uh, of what we're doing and how we can improve our processes. Um, our strategy, et cetera. So I think um, working with others, uh, including Sangha, including team, including our investors, um, including everyone who's ever worked here has been um, um, a crucial uh, to success uh, and why we're here. Well,
0: one of the uh, things you've been referring to is the team, and and that brings up the question of culture, of uh, that I said oft repeated quote of uh Pete Drucker of culture, each strategy for breakfast. So is near and dear to my heart and culture is absolutely an essential consideration in the implementation of that strategy. So how would you how would you describe the culture at Empowered and and how have you consciously nurtured that?
1: I'm gonna start I'll I'll ask you a question first. Um Certainly. culture's thrown around a lot. Uh, especially yeah. in B Corps and especially these days. Uh, mm-hmm. How would you define culture?
0: I think it's the, uh, the the pool that you're all swimming in. So it's kind of the, uh, the environment, uh, the, uh, the way that you are choosing to interact with each other, the way that all the different components live together in the same metaphoric bowl. I guess. Okay. That's how I do it. Yeah, I mean,
1: as I alluded to, this is a team effort. Um, We have open offices, no doors, um, literally, but also anyone can come up to either of us at any time uh, to talk about anything. Uh, We think that's most important. You know, we're not big enough to have a union. I think when you talk about culture or when anyone talks about culture these days, it's important to recognize the difference between culture and rights of employees so we have very strong medical benefits um you know we have very strong um uh, time off plans um if anyone has extenuating circumstances we're always there to help etc and i think that's really important i think workers rights are most important at least in the developed world and i think that the elimination almost Entirely of unions in the United States and the replacement of HR is an interesting, um, but not talked about aspect of, I guess, you know, replaced by culture, um, mm-hmm. where I think there is specific, um, fundamental rights that have to be, um, adhered to by employees, employers, excuse me, and ensure that people are in a work environment that's safe, um, that there's no prejudice. Right? That there's no, um, nothing going on that's egregious. And in this culture right now, that's become very divisive politically. It's even more important to have an open, honest, eclectic, diverse culture. So to me, that's most important. So communication, transparency, um, and rights. Um, whether or not, you know, there's beer on Fridays, um, whether or not, um, you know, there's more perks in this company than another. I think some of that loses the, um, loses the point of what a B Corp is. I think your impact on the world is the most important thing. And I think emerging, uh, markets and underserved communities really need help. And to try to do that while emphasizing, uh, developed world employees that are pretty well off in, in startups, um, doesn't always delve Uh, well together. I will say that we are completely, um, homogeneous with our employees, um, and enjoy each other's time, but we all work really hard. And I think the most important thing I could say about our culture is 80 to 90% of our employees, when you talk to them, ask them why they're here. It's not for beer on Fridays. Uh, it's because of the mission. And so our culture is, um, I would say a net result of working for a cause and a purpose that everyone feels proud of. Um, I think that's most important. And you know, I don't want that to get lost. And the impact you have to three million people, um, we're 21 people in our office. And mm-hmm. that to me um, feels really good. Um, and I think it does to the team as well.
0: Sangha, do you want to add anything to that?
2: No, I think that was perfect.
0: <laughs> great
2: well uh, so we've
0: been talking about the community within the company um, and the, the community in essence that you have with your partners around the world what about your immediate community because you the company's based in Brooklyn New York is there attention there because your work is mainly uh, in other parts of the world or how, how do you see your role the role of the company in the community locally
1: yeah, I mean, once again, I'll just add, and I don't mean to be so controversial, um, but human beings, right, um, humans live everywhere. We happen to be here. I know there's a big focus on local, um, and we do do that. So we've worked with Covenant House um, on homeless populations in New York City. We worked with the Dock Street School, it's a public school in New York on education. Uh, and any chance we get, uh, we work locally. But I don't think we necessarily choose local over um, or, or US or domestic versus another country, et cetera. I think we try to go where we think we can be most helpful. And so, yes, we work locally, but we also work globally. Um, and our lights are applicable to many situations, but generally where our lights are needed are emergency response after natural disasters, refugee crises, which are very important, uh especially these days. Um and I mean that from those who are the refugees um, going through very difficult situations and in supporting them and agencies that are working with them, NGOs, et cetera. Uh, another area where I think the public sector has not uh stepped up appropriately and humanely. And lastly, in you know, areas where people were unlucky enough to not have the capacity building tools. Of being able to choose a clean light or a mobile charger, um, and that adoption of technology and the energy that underlies that, versus dirty forms of energy like kerosene and firewoods. So I think we go where needed, and that's what drives us. Um, but yeah, local is is essential, easy, and necessary. Um, but we're, a, we're we impact globally, and we're very proud of sort of impacting across human beings everywhere.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's great. Well, I feel like there was there were several things in what you just said that we could dive into further, but I just want to be um, uh, you know mindful of, of uh, not keeping you all day. But um, <laughs> I, I, well, the last question I have before we get to the rapid round is really around how you manage your own energy, each of you, in the growth of a company like yours. We all when you're committed to a larger mission, it's tempting to get swept up in that and it doesn't necessarily always mean great practices for self-care. And wonder if you have particular things that you do to keep your energy up.
2: So for me, I run marathons. Going a business ah. is a little bit like that. And <laughs> um, no, there are a lot of synergies. You have to keep going, one foot in front of the other. You have to grieve. You have to find your rhythm, your pace, listen to yourself. Um, acknowledge when you're getting tired, when you need to stop, when you need some nourishment. I, I do think that there's, there's a lot of synergies in uh, between the two. I am not a speedrunner. Um, (laughs) so, so that's what I do when, you know, I need some time off from work. I need to, uh, reflect and, you know, often I do my best thinking during my long runs.
1: Hmm. That's great. I, um, I mean, I keep giving you the usual response, but since I've been so adverse on this podcast, I'll continue down that road. Um, <laughs> um, I deal with it. I feel lucky uh, to live in New York, have clean energy, um, and I handle it. Realize my problems are likely problems that everyone has. Um, and handle it feel lucky to be where i am in new york feel very much like there's privilege around my life and so not a lot of time to complain
0: well and gratitude is always a great practice no matter what no matter what's going on well i always wrap up these interviews with a rapid round of three questions about impact so are you are you both ready ready absolutely all right. What's
2: the biggest thing you've learned about having impact? It's enduring. So if you've affected a life, you've affected that life, and whether or not you go on to affect more lives, you've already made an impact.
1: Mm. That's great. Um, I would just say that it um, it it's motivating. Um, feels good. Feels right. Uh, once you've had a taste of helping people, it's hard to go back.
0: Mm -hmm. absolutely. Well, the second question is, what's the one thing you've consistently done that's contributed to your success and impact the most?
2: So for me, I consistently think about the individual level. Um, You know, yes, we have great metrics, uh, that's what we talk about, but down to that individual person that you've affected, if you can keep them in your mind, Um, then that can uh, help you during, you know, the tough times, remember the impact that you've made.
1: I just would say that I stay very, very focused on the mission. Um, No matter who I'm talking to or or what we're talking about, I find a way to bring in our mission and create community. And that in itself is uh, helpful as a social being, um, not only for the person I'm talking to, whether it's a vendor, retailer, organization, corporation, Uh, Or myself. Great.
0: Well, the last question is What's one insider piece of advice you'd each share with another business owner saying, I want to have more impact? I want to make more of a contribution.
2: I would say to keep talking. Talk to those around you who have been in this space, who want to be in this space, form those relationships. There's so much support you can garner uh, from those who have a, a like minded, uh, desire to have an impact. And, you know, for us, those relationships have been key, and we continue to, you know, converse with anyone who wants to talk to us about our work. <laughs> and um, it has been invaluable to our growth.
1: I would say be Great. brave, be fearless, allow that uh, your mission, um, once you've identified it, um, to bolster your confidence, to bolster your drive, um, you know. If you really believe in what you're doing, um, there's nothing better uh, than that as a personal motivation incentive. It's better than any business book you could ever read. um, Belief in what you're doing. That's great.
0: Well, Sangha and John, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, You have a really unique business model that you're making work in a way that's impacting lives. And thanks for sharing the stories of individuals that have been so affected by what you've been doing and uh, and how it's making difference a difference in communities. So thanks for thanks for being here.
2: Thank you for having us. It's been a pleasure.
1: Yeah, this was incredible and we cannot do what we do without you uh, and others like you. So thank you. Much appreciated.
0: So if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to reach you?
1: Empowered.com. That's M-P-O-W-E-R-D.com. That talks about our impact. You can buy our products and thus participate in our model. And you can even simply buy a light for someone who needs it through one of our 500 NGOs.
0: That's great. Well, thank you both for the work you're doing in the world.
1: Thank you very much. Amplifying that impact.
0: Join us for more episodes. Subscribe to the Work Alchemy podcast on iTunes or Stitcher Radio so you'll know as soon as new episodes are available. You can even help spread the word. Leave a review if you like what you've heard. Thanks for listening. Until next time, for ongoing support so you can have your own impact, join our community of entrepreneurs like you by liking the Work Alchemy Facebook page.